Come on, before we sit down, let's give him the praise. Oh, that he deserves. Oh, he is so good. So good. So good. Oh, we're so thankful to be here with you guys this morning. And uh, is it a little bit cold in here? Because as it is, I'm sweating already. So I thought about turning the heat up, but I thought, no, I'm not doing it. So if you're a little bit cold in here, I apologize ahead of time because I don't really want to sweat that much. But you know what? Uh, we're going to, we're starting, our, like I said, our day has kind of got a little bit. No, our day has came into focus and what God wanted it to be. So this morning, we are proud to announce that Sherry and Jenny over here are getting ready to lead our middle schoolers. Come on. Any middle schoolers in the house? They're going to lead our middle schoolers over here. The, the name of it is Meet Me in the Middle, and I'm not going to sing it or anything. We're good. But uh, every Sunday after worship, they're going to meet in the staff room over here, and we're just trying to build this up. So if you all were, if you're middle school age, if you would meet them right over here, and thank you guys so much for everything that you're doing uh, for the church right now. God, we're excited. Come on, let's get excited about this. This is the next generation right here. The Bible says train up your kids. So we got to train them up from that area on up. This morning, I want to welcome you. If it's your first time here, thank you. If your first time here, then you, you, you may be... Maybe it looks a little different, but that's okay, because different is okay. If you've been around us or been around me, I'm not very normal. So, uh, you know, normal is not always the best thing in the world. But we heard a powerful message a couple weeks ago from about four of our people. I mean, they, I heard they did an awesome job. Come on. Thank you, Pastor Johnny, Ashley, Andrew, and Trey for bringing that word to us. And last week, how many had fun last week with the relationship thing? All six of you? How many of y'all had fun? It was good. I mean, we had to hear um, Doug talk about sex the whole time, but, but that's okay. Y'all, that's an inside joke here. So, But uh, it was really good. And it was not only funny, but it was very, very practical. I mean, they brought things. We had different people in different um, areas of marriage and where they were years-wise. And so it really brought people's... Uh, practical ways to go forward. So we want to thank you for that. But how is everybody doing in their Bible reading right now? Remember we all, at the first year, we decided we're going to read the Bible through. We decided we're going to read the whole Bible this year. How many, yeah, there was a lot of hands. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something right. I'm going to ask you to tell the truth in church. Is that okay? How many are struggling with that plan? How many of us get to the end of it and we click on the, the app and then we go, OMG, I'm about four days down from this thing. And then you start scrambling around. You're trying to read 19 chapters, and you're, trying, you're really, really absorbing it. But let me just let you off the hook. I'm not letting you off the hook. Get, back, get caught back up. But it took them thousands of years to write it. So if you can't read it sometimes in a year, don't beat yourself up. But I'm telling you, I'm really pushing people to get further in the Word. And over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be talking about how... Um, how important the word is. We're starting a new series called Say What? That was the best one I got right there. But over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the importance of God's word and how important and valuable it is to be in it daily. I mean, we can't put it off to the side. We have to be in it daily. But listen, we want to talk about how it's been misquoted. We're going to talk about how it's been misunderstood, taken out of context, and twisted to our own interpretation. Watch this clip. Oh, you won't make it, hush. Just gotta keep getting up every day and taking 
one day at a time. You didn't make it. My grandma wrote just to tell her to pray about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what you ought to do, y'all. Pray about it. Talk to the Lord about it. That's what you ought to do. Yeah, but she only told her. She, she never told me how to do it. Would you teach me? Uh-huh. Please. Show you how to pray? Yeah. Oh, child, I ain't talked to God since the last time I saw a cop in my rearview mirror. Whew. I guess I can try. I can try to pray. You need to know the number? The, nu- the what? The number. The number? The caller. They say Jesus on the main line. I don't know the number. <laughs> sit back, sit back. Okay. Buy your hat. First, give an honor to God, to the head of my life. Um... Father, I stretch my hand to thee. Father God, God Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God of Shedrick, Meshach, and the billy goat, who was in the fiery furnace that they barbecued on the day of Pentecost when the Jewish people returned from the Sabbath day up on the mountaintop in uh, Ethiopia. Uh, God of Mary, <clears throat> J. Blanche. Mary, that don't sound right. Huh? That don't, that don't sound right. That's not how Mama Rose used to do it. You ain't feeling? You don't feel the anointing? No. Honey, listen, I don't know nothing about praying, but all praying is is talking to God, having a conversation with him. And at the end of your conversation, you say the name of Jesus, that's your stamp that'll get it up there to her. Yeah. Okay. You know who you remind me of right now? You remind me of Peter in the Bible. You know who Peter was? Peter was one of the 12 disciplines. And uh, they were on a boat out on the Isle of the Greek uh, Atlantic Ocean. And when they was on this boat, the storm rose up, and the 12 disciplines, they got really, really worried and upset. They said, oh, Lord, what we going to do? And they, they saw something coming to them on the water, looked like a ghost. But it wasn't a ghost, it was Jesus. And, and Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out there. Well, you got to be careful what you ask the Lord for. So Jesus said, come on out. So Peter stepped out of the boat and was walking on the water. He was walking on the water. On the water, he was walking on the water toward Jesus. Long as he kept his eyes on him, he stayed on top of the water. He took his eyes off him, though. You know why? He got distracted. You know why he got distracted? See, this is what you got to do. When you got your eye on Jesus, you can't get distracted by nothing. Jonah passed by in the belly of the whale. He looked down here at that whale, free willy, with Jonah inside the belly, and it made him distracted, so he started to sink. He said, Jesus, Jesus, help me, help me, Jesus. Jesus said, I can't. I got to go to Calvary. I'm late. So Jesus went on to the cross. He said, but don't worry, I'm going to send you a comforter. When the comforter comes, you're going you're gonna to be all right. So he's swimming. He trying to swim. He trying to swim. He just worried. And Jaws was coming. And all them Steve Spielberg had did that Jaws thing. And all them was around him. He was worried. You know what happened? Just in a nick of time. This is what I'm talking about. When you think you ain't going to make it, just in a nick of time, something happened. Noah came up in the arch. That's right. Noah came rolling up in the arch of, of St. Louis Arch. And he pulled right up beside him. And he got on there, he said, ooh, thank you for saving me. Peter, no, said, no problem, man, cool, what's up, fool? You know, so they spoke to each other. He said, come on, let me show you around, because Noah had turned the arch into a cruise ship. 
because uh, he ain't have nothing to do after he saved the world. And you know who was on there? Uh -uh. Eve. Eve? She was in the VIP section. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Peter asked to say, Eve, come on, go to the show. So she went to see this show. And uh, they had tigers. You know, they had two tigers, two bears, two lions. You know how they did that, the male and the female. Well, Siegfried and Roy, they was there. And they had the two lions. And them lions jumped out and scratched Eve. That's how Eve get them two paws right there. You ever see Eve with the paws? She got two paws right there. Read your Bible sometime, honey. Read your Bible. Read, read your Bible sometimes. You'll get it right. Have you ever been around anyone that's kind of like Medea? They tell the stories in the way that they want to tell the stories, or, or you're sometimes you're listening to them and you're thinking, not that I'm holier than thou. I think I know more, but just you're thinking about, man, you are but you have butchered that story completely up. That is not the way the Bible had intended it to be. But um, you know, the title of my message today is "Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth." which spells out the Bible in acronym. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate that. But how many of you, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all bought a car in the last few years? Wow, a lot of people have bought a lot of cars here in the last few years. Okay. And every single car that you buy or vehicle out there that you have has one of these in it. What is this? It's the instruction manual. How many would be honest enough to say that you have looked at this once? Okay, how many would be honest to say you've probably ever, this would be the women's answer right here, that you've never looked at this before? Mostly females, I, I know that. I've only looked at it a few times, but everyone, that every car out there has one of these in, but most likely what's happened, it's got shuffled to the bottom of the glove box. Yes, I said glove box because I'm a hillbilly. Glove compartment. And you know what happens when you get, you shove that thing all the way to the bottom, and, and it, basically what it does, it, it, it has to fight its way through the napkins, through the ketchup, and you can never have enough Chick-fil-A sauce in your glove compartment. Can I get an amen on that one? has to fight its way through all that stuff, and it ends up at the bottom of it. But you know what? If you look at this thing, it really it gives a lot of good information. It gives a lot of great insight into your, into your vehicle. It tells you how to care for it. It tells you how to service it, how to drive it, how to operate it. And it tells you what all those signs and signals are that come up on your dashboard. My, my car is a country music song. Every line in the house is on. It all. They're all on. I've quit worrying about the oil light and the, because you just got to go on sometimes. But if you start looking in your owner's manual, it tells you every place and everything that you need. It's all right there. But you realize that hardly anybody ever reads it. God, our designer, has made an owner's manual, and it's called the Word of God. He's made this uh, so it would be a lamp to our feet and a guide to our... Oh, I butchered that one up, didn't I? Medea, she's going to have to get on me. But he designed this. But here's the thing. It doesn't seem like this is important anymore. It seems like to me that, you know, the owner's manual it used to be in most homes. You could go into a hotel or a motel and you could open up a drawer and there was the Gideon Bible. And I heard that Gideons have lost a lot of their uh, contracts. So you don't even have a Bible in the hotel room. And I can't tell you how many times that Bible has probably saved someone's life who went to that hotel room who was about to do something Come on, it doesn't seem like it's as important anymore. 
But you don't know how a well-placed word of God can be when someone needs it for that time. We often leave it on a shelf. We often leave it in a drawer. It's unopened. We've been cleaning out houses. And I can't tell you how many Bibles we get out of these houses that are stuffed in corners. They have cobwebs all over them. A recent survey conducted said that 34% of Americans have never, never read the Bible. People believe the Bible was relevant. They believe that it was good for a long time ago. They believe that it has some good stories in it. But there's also people that just attacked it. They said it's riddled with errors and they've tried to make dates and they've tried to take uh, events and they twist them all to the way that they want to hear it. You know what? They've also accepted evolution. They've also accepted the Big Bang Theory. They've also laughed at the idea that God created the heavens and the earth. They've tried to ban it. They've tried to burn it. They've tried to discredit it. They've tried to make fun of it. But Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never by no means pass away. You can do whatever you want to do with it, but it is here and it's forever. It's the true word of God. But truth in our days right now is under attack. We live in a culture right now in a, in a worldview that's been tainted by sin. It's been tainted by a fallen world. And, and we think of this worldview as a pair of glasses. If you've broken, if you have broken glasses or discolored glasses, the lens or the wrong prescription, you cannot see, you cannot see clearly, right? It, it clouds your vision. You have a crack in your... Yeah. I don't know how in the world anybody can read one of those iPhones that has 6,000 cracks and you're trying to go through. Can you imagine trying to see the world of view who God is by looking through something like that? You think of this. You can't and you won't ever see it clearly. Many believe there are no moral, this is the worldview, they have moral, no moral absolutes, no real right or wrong. That's what we're fighting against right now. Many hold a philosophy of moral relativism. Relativism. Nobody is objectively right or wrong, and everybody ought to tolerate the behaviors of others because it's what they do. Even in society, even if we disagree with it, we're supposed to agree with it. We have a generation that has embraced the idea that there is no absolute truth out there. Currently, it wants to call our morals up to the individual. How many of you have heard these things? What's right for you may not be right for me. If it feels good, just do it. Nothing is really right or wrong. There are just different interpretations or different opinions. You know what? There's another one that says, you do you, boo. <laughs> I think that's been said to me a couple of times. But all these are a result in feeling that there's no absolute truth. You're entitled to your truth, and I'm entitled to mine. But a biblical worldview does this. It's based on God's word. If we reject it, we see the world as it really is. We, can, we cannot see the world the way it really is. A Bible worldview shows us the world the way God intended it to be. We love to be able to see the world perfectly. We love to have our rose-colored glasses on and, and, and see everything the perfect way. But because sin came into the world, because we live in a fallen world, because we're tainted by all of the distractions, as she said, in the world right now, we, we get a very bad view of it. That's why the Word of God is very important that we be in it daily. We wonder why people aren't following the Bible and they question it. Why? Because they see the majority of the people in the world not following. But let me read this verse to you. Matthew 7, 13, it says, Enter through the narrow gate. 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. That's where we're at today. It's broad, it's wide, it's, it's lit up with lights and cameras and action. And we think that's the way that it's going. But it says this. It says, many enter that one, but it's the way of destruction. But a small gate and a narrow road is the one that leads to life. And few people find it. Do you know why they're thinking it? Because there's not enough of us being that true light, following where God wants us to be, to lead people to the place where they need to see. So a lot of times the truth is on us to get them to that place. The truth is the truth. No matter how many people don't follow it, it's still the truth. John 8, 32 says this, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I love definitions. Here we go. Truth is fact, accurate, real and exact. And listen, we can't be afraid to speak the truth even nowadays. Can I just tell you, God's word is not easy. Remember him telling the disciples, oh, and they were like, hey, we can't even bear to hear what you're trying to tell us. He said, this is not easy. And you're going to be offended. And you're going to be, oh, does that not look like the world we live in today where everybody is so offended and, and, and it's like getting to the point. He told them, experience, you're going to experience this in this world right now that you're in. Popular, it's not easy. An AA slogan says this, the truth will set you free, but it's also going to make you mad first. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had somebody, <laughs> Jesus help us. Have you ever had somebody say, can I speak the truth in love to you? Then you don't know what kind of can of worms you're about to open up when they say, can I speak? Well, yes, you can, but it depends on what kind of truth you're about to bring forth. But can I speak the truth in love to you? Most people know that that's not, you've got to understand that the truth is not hate. The truth is love. Jesus said, I don't hate, you know, he told the people that he found in sin. He says, I'm not condoning your sin, but go and sin no more. He had to tell them and get them to a point to understand where they were in their life. And so many times we don't want to be open to what people say. And there's been a lot of times over the last few months I've had to be open to what people are saying about me. And I had to kind of let that dagger hit me a couple of times in here because I knew it was the truth, but I wanted to kind of shove it over here or push it over there. The truth will set you free. Listen, it's not easy raising kids. Y'all got any, any young kids? How many of y'all seasoned there? Your kids are gone, right? Y'all are like, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. They come and visit, then they leave. But you got the ones that still have the kids at home. And the Bible says this. It says in Proverbs 13, 24, it says, He who spares, I know I've jumped ahead here. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. We think about correction as being a bad thing, but don't correct your kids from the time they're growing up and you're going to hate what they turn out to be like. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You got little Sally and little Jimmy in, the, in, the, in Walmart, and you're trying to get them out, and, and, and they're throwing a fit in the middle. My mom used to whoop me in the middle of Walmart. She didn't care. Cameras or no cameras, you're going down, brother. But now we're so afraid. We're so worried about correcting our kids. But what it says, if you don't correct them, sometimes the truth is correcting them because when they grow older and they have, there's discipline in their life, you're going to love what you did for them. If you neglect that, you're going to hate what they turn out to be. Facebook quote said, I was spanked as a kid, and now, I'm, now I suffer from a condition called respect for others. It's so true. 
No means no. Go on and stick to your rules. I remember we tried to, to oh, Lord. She would, she would ground cane for two weeks. It lasted about 28 hours because he was so annoying. Oh my gosh, I'm so bored. Oh my gosh, I'm not. And he'd be calling people up. I mean, it was just so, it was so crazy. But sometimes you have to stick with those particular disciplines to make your kids understand that there are consequences to their behaviors. The truth will set you free. Do you believe, I asked you a question this morning, do you even believe the Bible is still relevant? You know, so many people right now, even in the Christian faith, they're having a hard time with that one. But it says a third of Americans who attend church say 32% of them read the Bible personally every day. That's awesome. The amount, a quarter of that say they read it a few times a week. Fewer read it once a week. And only one in eight professing Christians admit they rarely or have never read the Bible. Wow. Okay, that's a really one. But a lot of people say, what's the number one excuse about not reading the Bible? Ain't got time. Look, at y'all got the first one right. I just don't have time. The second one is what? I don't understand it. You guys are good. You know? And the other one is, do I really have to? That's the one that's, that's rough right there. You know, so many times uh, when we start thinking about these things, I don't have time to do that. You have all the time that you want to give to giving God's time. I, don't know, I didn't say that very well, but you have all the time in the world. When you start thinking about the things that you could prioritize, your mornings, how you can change things around, you can do things a little bit differently to make more time. And if you don't understand it, I can tell you this much right now. This is a practical thing. You need to get a Bible you can understand. They got it in 47 different languages and, and 400 different translations now. You can find something that you can understand. And to be honest with you, if we just say that I just don't have, do I really have to? Well... Yes, you do. You have to because it's God's heart towards us. And if you want to get to the relationship part of who God is, you have to be in his word. But let me just tell you about the Bible. It's the number one bestseller of all time. Why? Why? Because it changes everything. 3,800 times the Bible says God said you know what? If God says something 3,800 times, it's probably worth opening it and reading it. First, Second Peter says this. It says, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy, never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Every author of this book was inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Word is, the way, is God's primary way of getting to us and talking to us. It's God's owner's manual. And if you follow his instructions... And if you're full of his instruction, he gives you all the details of your life. Everything that you'll ever need to know is in this book. Here, you can't just read it to be reading it. How many have just read some of this Bible just to say, okay, I got it off my list today? Come on. Okay, y'all are saved in here. That's good. But you can't allow it to just read it. You have to allow it to navigate through your life. You have to follow, listen to me, follow the instructions. How many of you have a hard time with following the instructions? Anybody would be well enough? Man, a lot of hands, hands going up. Several of you guys follow the instructions. Me and Johnny, Pastor Johnny, we looked at a box over here in the staff room, what, a month, maybe? Maybe two months? 
And it was a tall box. Oh, it was a super tall box. And it was about this big. Really, it was about this big and this big. But it had a booklet in it about that thick on how to put that thing together. Well, I pawned it off on Johnny. Johnny didn't come through. And finally, I had to call Pepper and say, okay, Pepper, it's time for you to come over and put this thing together. Because I do not, for one thing, I don't like putting things together. And my wife would say, I don't like to follow instructions. Exactly. <laughs> I remember when Keenan was uh, at home, I would go buy a grill and I'd say, listen, you put this thing together, I'll cook you whatever you want to. Want. I just don't want to have to touch any of the parts of it because I don't like Hey, I used to sell tires for years, but you don't want me putting brakes on your car because you'd be in trouble. You wouldn't make it out of the door. But look at Deuteronomy 28, 1. It says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully, listen to that, all his commandments which I commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. There are instructions for a reason and it cannot be done correctly until you follow the instructions. You know what? James, let's look at James in the message here. What we do, though, is we try to throw out the manual because we think we know how to build it better. Right? You're going to pitch all the instructions to the side or we put the manual off to the side because we, we feel like we have a better plan than what God has. But a lot of times, how many of y'all have got to the end of your instruction plan and found out it didn't work the way I wanted it to work? It didn't go just the way that I thought it would go. And so many times we try to throw it out and do what we want. But look at James in the Message Bible. Yes, I'm reading the message this morning. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when Tess and Charles challenges come at you from all sides you know that under pressure your faith life is forced out into the open and shows its true colors so don't try to get out of anything prematurely we're always trying to god god can you get me out of this he's like i'm trying to get you to stay in it because i want to show you something because there's something on the other end of it Let's do the work so you become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. When you follow the instructions, it's going to take some time. But God is trying to build something in you. And listen, all of us in here have a stamp on us that says, assembly required. It may be taking longer, but let me just tell you about God. He doesn't do shortcuts. He doesn't want to do it halfway. He wants to do it all of the way. He wants to put together all of those missing pieces that have been just so strewn out into your life. Have you ever got to the end of putting something together? Don't answer this, Bobby, and you got three screws left over? I not only have three screws left over, I usually have a little piece of wood or I have a bracket or I have something, and then I shake it a little bit and I go, oh, it'll, it'll, it'll be okay. Don't nobody sit on that, though. But God's time, it may take a little longer. He wants to put you back to pieces. He does, uh, back, not in pieces. He wants to put together all of the pieces. God's word does it. It equips us. It trains us. It guides us. But also, here's what it does. It challenges us too. The word of God completes us and makes us whole. God does not want a half of a picture. He doesn't want a, a broken piece. He doesn't want the pieces left out. He wants you to be full and whole. So many times he looked at the people that he'd healed. He says, do you want to be made whole? Not well. Whole. 
Yes, you can get out of the condition that you're in, but God is looking much farther than just the condition that you're in in the present moment. He's looking at the condition that you'll be in a month from now after you receive your healing. He's looking at the condition you're going to be in so many times down the road. He wants you to be whole, not lacking anything. You must be in the Word daily. Why? Because it helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. If Jesus, Jesus is our message, one of our core values. If he's our message, we got to get to know him a little bit better. Not just a Sunday visit. Oh, help me. Not just going to a small group every once in a while, but it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and start back over again, relationship building with Jesus Christ. John 1.1 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Our ultimate goal should be to have a personal relationship with Jesus. If he said the Word is important, then we need to be in the Word. And when we're in the Word, Jesus becomes more like us. No, that was bad. We become more like Jesus. You want to get to know him? You want him to permeate your body and come into you? Then spend time in his word getting to know him because that's the way it will change everything around us. When we read the word Jesus, he gets inside of us. If you want to go deeper, you just have to take some time, some practical things, or just take some time. Sometimes you just have to take five minutes out of your busy morning. Sometimes instead of a chapter, you got to get a verse for yourself. Sometimes the, the thing, we make it so complicated and, and so hard, and we think we got to pray for two hours. No, no, no. Jesus said, come before me each day, petitioning me. And the Bible says, pray continuously all day long. That is just being an attitude of prayer towards him. When you're about ready to flip somebody off, you just say, hey, Jesus, I need you today. Oh, can you help a brother out? Come on. Start it. The Bible says to meditate on the word. Sometimes you can take a verse and you can meditate on that and say, Holy Spirit, and here's the key. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads you and guides you and directs you into all truth. So sometimes if you don't understand something, meditate on that. It guides your life. Without God's word, we're walking aimlessly in the dark. The Bible says they grope in the darkness without a light. The Bible also says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It gives you wisdom. It gives you understanding on how to live your life, how to deal with the trials that are coming up in your life, how to deal with the temptations that are out there, and how to go through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. To come out on the other side of that valley and say, I know I learned something in that valley. I know I learned something in that wilderness. And God, I just know that I learned it. And he'll show you those things on the other side of it. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the Lord God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Oh, my goodness. There we go. But what God's word will do to you, it'll teach you. It'll teach you what is right. It's going to rebuke you because it'll tell you what's not right. It's going to correct you and tell you how to get it right. And it's going to train you on how to stay right. Come on. It's, it's, it's not just a reading Genesis all the way through Revelations. It's allowing it to penetrate your heart. You know, people keep going the wrong way. You know why? Because they're following some pastor or some prophet or someplace out there. They're not seeking the truth for themselves. So many times YouTube don't have all the answers. Sometimes one person doesn't have all the answers. That's why you have to search the truth for yourself. 
Bible says study. Second Timothy says, be diligent to study, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. That's why it's important to know the word yourself and to be able to have some verses. It's not just for you. It's for that person that needs that word for that time. Have you been in a situation where you started talking to someone and you know they need some kind of Bible verse for them and you're just trying to scroll over into your mind? That's why the Bible says, your word have I hid in my heart. You gotta hide it in your heart because it ain't just for you. It's for somebody else. It's for that coworker. It's for your family member. It's for those people out there that are lost and dying and don't have any hope right now. You are the hope of the word and you need the word of God in you. y'all would please stand with me please this owner's manual right here it's more than a book it's hope for a hopeless world it's more than a book it's direction when you've lost your way I'm going to ask you to do something for me if you would just if you would just bow your heads Close your eyes. Don't look around. Holy Spirit's watching. But we're doing that just to make it a safe place, to make it a comfortable place. And I'm going to ask you a few questions. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I got good news for you. Today is your day. I'm going to ask you to do something with me. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to receive this gift of salvation that Jesus has freely given to you. He paid the cost for you. Listen, you don't owe the devil nothing. Jesus paid it all. Quit letting him tell that lie to you that you still owe more than what... (laughs) He's already paid the price, baby. If you've accepted Jesus by raising your hand or by coming forward, first of all, the Bible says this. It says, confess with your mouth. You simply say, Jesus, I'm a sinner Please forgive me. Number two, it says, believe in your heart. I believe in my heart that you died for me, Jesus, and that you are the Son of God. You are who you said you are. Number three, I want you to take control of my life. I've messed it up. I've been going down my own road. I've had my own owner's manual out. I want you to direct me onto your path. If you'd like to make that trip with Jesus. Make that journey with him. And if you accepted this, would you lift up your hands so we can see? The reason we're doing this, I see those hands. I see those hands. The reason we're doing this is we want to walk along with you through this journey. You can't do this alone. Bible simply says, confess with your mouth. If you've confessed with your mouth, say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Bible says he is faithful. He is faithful to forgive you. To cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. So as they get ready to sing this song, maybe you've been following Jesus. Maybe you got a little off course because you've you've got your own owner's manual out a few more times than you probably should have. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. And salvation is not necessarily always about being saved. It's about the salvation of coming back to who God says you are. So this morning, I'm going to ask you, to come to this altar. I'm gonna ask you to get prayer. I'm gonna ask you to kneel if you'd like to. I'm gonna ask you to be where you're at right now. If you feel comfortable where you're at, that's fine. 
But get a place where it's just you and God and say, God, I'm so glad that I accepted you this morning, but I wanna walk closer to you. I wanna go places I've not ever been with you. If that's you, join us today.